Holy God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be worthy in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer this day and all the days to come. And all of God's people said, amen. Good morning, y'all. How you doing? Good. It's good to see you all. I love uh, Easter. And the reason I love Easter, I love Christmas too, but I love Easter because it's not caught up in all the wrappings and trappings of Christmas. And I just feel sometimes like that push to get to Christmas is kind of rough. And by the time we get to Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, there's a little bit of just like, thank God it's over. But Easter is different for me because it's this season where it's like I get to take time and set apart with Lent. And I get to reflect on, you know, approaching the cross, walk through Passion Week. But oftentimes it's easy for me to buy into this idea that once we reach Easter and it's over, it's kind of like we've ended something. Like, we've ended this journey, we've ended Lent, we've ended Passion Week, and we're all moving on. Well, here's the thing I guess I'd say to you, is while I will grant you is that it is the end of that journey and that kind of season, I also want to push to say, I believe it's the beginning of something totally new. I believe that while I hope that Lent and everything that it brought was a, was a fruitful season for you, that you were able to contemplate who God is, who you are, who he's calling you to be in the world, that as we take steps from Easter, that we don't look at that as that we're wrapping up a season, but I would say we're beginning a new one. And so, and this is a place where I actually think we kind of like miss something and we sell ourselves short. Because we keep the 40 days of Lent. Like, people care a lot about this. There's a lot of discipline. We talk about, here's what I'm going to give up. We, or maybe take something on too. We, t- you know, we'll pick up journals for Lent. We'll walk through Holy Week or Passion Week. Um, I grew up with Holy Week, and I'm still wrapping my mind around that we call it Passion Week here. So, working on it. Um, but that, you know, we do our Stations of the Cross, that we do Monday, Thursday. We do Good Friday. We have an Easter party, and then we celebrate it all on Easter Day. But the thing is, is that I oftentimes wonder that when Easter comes, in the same way that we've given something up for Lent, I think we should take on something new for Easter. That in light of the resurrection and what God's doing, that we would say, this is who I'm called to be, and this is what I'm taking up in the midst of that. And how you do that and what that looks like is something I'll leave up to you. But my job now is to help you figure out, and for me too, to help all of us figure out what it means to celebrate Easter as the the beginning of something new and the days that come from it and what it looks like for us. Because you see, this is what the Gospels are all about. As I look at it, I see that they don't really, the Gospels don't really reach a conclusion. They point on to something more, onto something that God is going to do. But what is that something more? What is Easter all about? And how can it help us find the hope and the energy to engage the fresh tasks that I believe God is calling us into? And where I think many Christians, well-intentioned and thoughtful they, uh, that I believe they are, I believe that we've taken a wrong turn is, is because we've adopted this kind of distorted gospel. And that when we hear the story of the resurrection, what we hear is that it's all about getting to heaven. And Scott talked about this last week, and he's, you know, reminded us that this is not what Easter is about. The Easter is not this culmination of just like, uh, you know, getting to heaven, But this can be hard to wrap our minds around. And so I'm going to walk through it step by step. Kind of like seventh grade algebra where they want you to show your work, even though I hated that. (laughs) I want to walk through step by step. What does it mean that it's not about going to heaven and that it's about new heavens, new earth, new creation? Okay, I'm going to start with this. um, Go with me. I'm sure many of you have driven on I-90 and gone into Seattle. And in doing so, you've gone through the tunnels on Mercer Island and through Mount Baker. Okay, now imagine you're talking to a kindergartner and you tell them, I'm going to Seattle today. And they see you go into that tunnel. It would be very easy for that kindergartner to think Seattle is inside that tunnel. 
right? Like, it's just like, great. They wanted to, Seattle's inside the tunnel they go through. It's like Alice in Wonderland, that kind of thing. But you and I know that's really different. We go into the tunnel, we come out on the other side, and in a new place, and in light, and, you know, it's, so, and it's very distinctly different than where we came from. Well, it's the same thing with what happens after death. People sometimes talk as if resurrection was what happened at once, like right as soon as if after we die. But as we look at this and we look at scripture, we see that Jesus died on Good Friday and that he wasn't raised for three days. Where was he in between? Well, the Apostles' Creed tells us that, on, you know, he descended into hell and on the third day he rose again. And, the, and in the Gospel of Luke, we see Jesus say to the thief next to him, today I will see you in paradise. So how do we make sense of that? What does that look like? Well, the way at least I have made sense of this is that paradise isn't the final destination. It's kind of like it's the time of rest and bliss that we pass through on the way to the destination that God's calling us to. And this is where I think the illustration of the tunnel breaks down because the tunnel's dark and gloomy and I don't think that's paradise. So just, you know, leave that part of it behind. But we're promised this place of light and life and, and, and stepping into God's future. So the thing I want to push on is that the point is that paradise isn't the final destination. And so all this talk of going to heaven as though it was kind of the end of the story or the final destination for all of us just isn't helpful. And I don't think it's biblical or true. So that begs the question, where are we heading then? What are we doing? Well, I think if we go back to the Old Testament, if we look at the book of Isaiah, we see the prophet speak of new heavens and a new earth. And in the New Testament, we see the writers pick up on this same theme time and again. And the way it seems to work is like this, or at least it is for me. That when God made this lovely and wonderful world, he wasn't making junk. Creation is not something that's going to get thrown in some celestial trash heap at some point as God goes on to do something totally new. As I read scripture, what I see happening is that what God wants to do is instead of throwing away everything and doing something different as if his ideas of time and space and matter just were kind of meaningless and he wants to go move on to something else. Instead, he wants to abolish from within this world everything that corrupts and distracts and destroys and distorts his beautiful creation. In one sense, he wants to give the world a giant makeover to restore to what it was intended to be. And he loves us so much that that's why we have Jesus. That's why Jesus does what he does. It's why he goes to the cross. It's why we have resurrection. New heavens and new earth. Imagine this world like the present one, but better. With everything that's bad and sad and degrading having been abolished forever. From within the world and from within us. To give you a picture of this, let's go back to Isaiah 65 where we read... Never again will there be an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought of as a mere child and the one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will enjoy long or will enjoy long enjoy the work of their hands and they will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord and their descendants with them. You see in this picture, God's very concerned with here and what happens here and the lives we lead and who we are in the midst of it. And this is why resurrection matters. And we can't just focus on going to heaven. Sure, 
I, I will admit, if you belong to Jesus, we are going to go to heaven to be with Jesus in eternity. I'm not saying, I'm not pushing on that. But that's, that, that's, remember, that's the journey through paradise. And it's just that long, bright tunnel before a new country begins. And when God makes new heavens and new earth, he's going to raise all of us from the dead. We're going to get new bodies. I don't fully understand how that works, but Jesus has a new body that somehow is different and it's more fully alive than it's ever been. And we're going to have bodies like that. And that you and I are going to get to live in a new world. And indeed, we get to help God run it. And that's the deal. That's what the New Testament promises. It's what it's been pointing us towards this whole time. And now is when we come to the point that when Jesus was raised from the dead on the first day of Easter, it wasn't simply as though he'd gone ahead of us through the tunnel and come out on the other side. It's as if instead rather that, imagine if the Queen of England ran in here with her flag, planted it down on the ground and said, this, this right here is now a bit of England. What Jesus is doing is in his resurrection, a bit of God's future, a bit of God's promise to us has come back to the present. New heavens and new earth has come back here in, the, in, in our midst. And the point of resurrection is that a bit of God's future has come back to the present for us. I know this can sound confusing, so I'm going to try and say this a different way. Okay, so if it's midnight here in Bellevue, let's say that you have a friend who lives or works in Mumbai, and they're going to call you on their lunch break, which would be exactly 12 hours later from midnight, and they call you, they would probably wake you up in the middle of the night. Okay, so go with me on this. Well, what happens with resurrection is kind of like that. The whole world is still in this old time, right? It's operating in this, it's midnight, if you like, and evil and death are still at work, and we're all asleep, and we think that nothing is going to be different. But suddenly, we don't get just a phone call. We get a visit from somebody who's living in new time, right? Who comes back, and he's already in the new day. He's gone through death, and he's into God's new world. God's new creation, and to our astonishment, he's come back into our world, which is still an old time, to tell us that, in fact, a new day has dawned and that even though we feel sleepy, even though it still seems dark, even though there's still evil and brokenness in the world, that a new world has begun and that we need to wake up and we need to get busy. And so at last, we get to this point where we can kind of make clear of what the Bible's been pointing us towards. That if we already understand that if what's going on in the first Easter morning, once we get the story straight, we get to see where Jesus is pushing us. We read in John 20 that it says very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb, right? And we know the story. She gets there. Jesus isn't there, right? And so she runs. And Peter and John, they run too. And they're frightened and they're worried. They're puzzled. They're scared because this was something that they had never expected. It was something they'd never imagined. I'm sure if you would have asked them, what does resurrection mean to you? They would have said something very different. They would have probably said that they thought what would happen when resurrection happened is that after everyone died, after everyone had gone through the tunnel and gotten into new time, that God would abolish old time and that he would make something new. But then Jesus shows up with this new body and does something different. And only gradually and particularly when they meet Jesus with his body fully alive, indeed probably more fully alive than it had ever been, because he's been through death. He's come out on the other side. Only gradually did they realize what was happening. That in his death, Jesus had taken all of the sin, all of the shame, all the death, all the sorrow of this world upon himself. 
And so that by letting it do its worst to him, he destroyed its power. Scott talks about that spiritual judo. Well, what happens in that is that that means that there is nothing in this world that can stop new creation from happening anymore. New time, new creation, new heavens, new earths. Jesus' resurrection body is that first bit of new creation, but it's come to us in the here and in the now. And in terms of, if you think about like Good Friday is the sixth day and Holy Saturday is the seventh day, that makes Easter the eighth day, the beginning of a new week, the beginning of God doing something new. And so that's why I say it is not the end. It is the beginning of something new. In fact, I believe that's why Easter is the beginning of the church's mission. This is where we find our identity and our calling. But let's be clear. I do not believe and I do not think the Bible is pointing us towards that the church's mission is to ferry souls to heaven and to get everyone to love and save Jesus. Folks, I literally went to a conference as a kid that was called Fireproof and I was pushed to know and love Jesus so that the flames of hell would not touch me. We need something more compelling and we need something more biblical because it is not just about going to heaven. And fine, it's true that by accepting and knowing and love Jesus, that I am invited into salvation. But we should be telling people more about new heavens and new earth than instead of just going to heaven. It's only part of the story. Because heaven isn't just the point of our mission. The point is that God's new creation has already begun. And that those who have been wakened in the middle of the night have been roused from their sleep and were put to work to make more bits of new creation happen in the here and the now. This is our call, folks. And this is why we get to leave behind on the cross. This is why I do love Good Friday. And we did this here, that we leave behind on the cross all the bits and the pieces of old creation, of old time, the things that make us sad, the things that have depressed us and our communities, and we give those to God. And then we start to pray for a vision and wisdom to know where God is calling us, where he is leading us, how he wants to change us, our families, our homes, our communities, the world over. And this is what regeneration is all about when we talk about it. Because where our individual and collective parts start to come together, and through Jesus, we get to connect the old world to the new world. And we get to be a part of new creation happening in the here and the now. You know, I've said this to people before, and they've looked at me and said, that's very nice, Colin. It's a great, sweet, pious vision that you have. It's wonderful that you want to do that. I'm going to go back to reality. Have fun. Right? It sounds crazy. If I'm like, someone died, came back from, like, I get that it's crazy. I literally had a kid um, in youth group one time say, like, so you're telling me you believe in zombies. <laughs> like, that's what you're saying. That, like, the article and the author of your faith is a zombie, and that's what you want me to buy into. I get it. It's crazy. Calling Christians crazy and calling what we believe crazy has been something that has been, had been said to Christians since Christ came back from the dead. From the earliest Christians to William Wilberforce, as he said, I'm going to be a part of ending slavery in England. To Desmond Tutu, as he said, I'm going to be a part of ending systemic injustice and apartheid in South Africa. To Mother Teresa, she said, I'm going to be a part of caring for the poor and least of these in Calcutta. To you and to me. This is what we're called into. Here's the thing, though. This is where we can get a little caught up. The answer isn't better politics. It would be nice, but that's not the answer here. The answer isn't better or different government spending or values around it. Again, maybe something we'd want. It's not the point. 
It's not, I even say this to you, as your children and youth pastor, the answer isn't better investment in our kids. I want that very deeply, but that's not going to solve it. The answer is when God's people celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that they discover the possibilities that God is opening up in front of them. That's why we proclaim Christ is risen and risen indeed. That's why we claim once more that we stand on resurrection ground, that we stand at the foot of the cross, not just for ourselves, but because of the God who saves, who saves us and wants to save the world over. We claim the victory of Jesus Christ over all that is evil so that we can leave behind on the cross all that is sad, all that that has depressed us and go forward to do new things in the power of his Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to begin to try and say, I have an idea of what all those new things are going to be. I don't know. I'm not God. I believe God's moving and inspiring. And we at this church, and I'm sure a lot of us here, we do plan, we do pray, we do work towards doing things for that to happen, the things that we're aware of. And I love to think and dream about us as followers of Jesus here on the east side in greater Seattle, wherever God calls us, being a part of how new creation begins wherever we are. I'd love to think about us with our deep spiritual roots in the, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, going forward in our communities, engaging in conversations and dialogues about how communities could be defined by love and by lack of fear, by knowing peace and by knowing Jesus. I would love that. I do know it's going to have to be rooted in a lot of prayer and in a lot of celebration of the Lordship of Jesus Christ and us following him. And I don't think it has to wait for something else to happen. It's easy for us to buy into the idea that if, you know, if we just had a few more young people in this church, we could really get moving on this vision. Or if we got a few more young families or a few more whatever we think we don't have enough of to say, if we have more of that, then we can do that. I don't think that we need to wait for that. Those things would be nice, sure. But I don't think that we need them. In fact, if we look at scripture, if we look at how God moves, Jesus began his work of new creation with a few puzzled women and a few frightened fishermen and said, let's go. In fact, I think one of the ways God loves to work is to find places that don't have the resources or are under-resourced and say, I can do something with this. And so any one of us who feels like we're not enough or where we are isn't enough or we don't have enough of whatever we think we need enough of is a lie we're buying into and there's something new that God's calling us into. You are enough. What matters is more prayer, more celebration of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, more knocking on God's door. And saying, here I am. Where will you send me? What would you have of me? Both here at Belprez, in our communities, in the world over, wherever, you're calling, uh, wherever God's calling us to be. Now I'm going to own something too. I have intentionally not offered you some blueprint or some roadmap of what we're called to do right now. One, because Scott's going to do that in our next sermon series. Think of me as like the appetizer for something new, okay? And I would really encourage you, don't miss the next sermon series. Scott will offer a vision of where our session and where our leadership is calling our church. And guys, I got, I've gotten to be a part of that conversation. I've gotten to hear what it looks like, and I am so excited. And I believe that there is a place and a space for each one of us to step into the vision of this church. And so I would push you to be here, listen, pray, discern where God is calling you and what that looks like. But... Do not put all the responsibility on Scott to do this for you. Because we all individually come to the cross. We all have have a call in our lives to step into that. We all get to be a part of how the east side gets to grow, how it gets to become a healthy place marked by faith, hope, and love. We all get to step into that. 
what I hope I have done, at least in part, is come with you on a journey. Make sense of where we've come through, through Lent, through Passion Week, through Easter, and to where we're stepping forward. And that as we are standing at the foot of the cross, I hope that maybe I've planted a few seeds. And the thing I love about when you plant seeds is you plant them not knowing what's going to happen when they come up. I hope that God will start to work and do something in you. What we do know is this. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. That God's new creation has begun. And that we get to do two things. Live into our baptisms, to die to our old self, and step into the new life that God's calling us to. And second, to allow his spirit to work through us and step into the new creation that God is making and wants to make through us. And so, God, we give ourselves to you, trusting that you are a good God and that you who have begun a work will continue it unto its end. God, inspire us and lead us. Take us away from the places of old time and old creation where we're defined by fear and evil and allow us to step into new creation, into who you've created us to be and into the vision of what you long for this world to be. It's in your name we pray. Amen.